Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the Fightful MMA Holy Smokes Podcast with Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sapp. Welcome to the May 23rd edition of the Holy Smokes MMA Podcast with yours truly, Joe Ferraro, and of course, joined as always by managing editor for Fightful, Sean Rossap. Give me a follow if you get a chance at Showdown Joe on social media. Give him a follow at Sean Rossap. So much to discuss based on no UFC event happening over the weekend, but my goodness, was there a lot of stuff that went down in Las Vegas as the UFC had their athlete retreat, aka people are calling it the Fighter Summit because that's what it was before, uh, but a fair amount of stuff did go down, uh, pretty much headlined by Christian Cyborg Santos, Julianne, whatever you want to call her, who's not, who's not fighting in her division. She happens to be fighting in the street. Uh, she punched out Angela Magano, or sort of sucker punched her, knocked a tooth out, uh, raising a lot of eyebrows and a lot of, uh, you know, there's a battery charge forthcoming. Uh, Mr. Sapp, what do you make of this? Ah. Uh. <laughs> uh. It says we're not live, by the way, so that could be an issue. They, okay, people say they can see us. Never mind. Nigel, Nigel, my tech guy, what are, what are you doing? Uh, this situation is a very, ah, oh, that's, that's like the, that was my reaction to the whole thing, because I see both sides, and I'm like, both sides, here's, here's, the long and short of it, both sides are wrong. Both people are wrong. You see a lot of people trying to justify uh, one, justify the other. They're both wrong. They are both absolutely wrong here. Angela Magana made fun of how uh, another person looks, and she got hit for it. She got hit more so for saying that she didn't respect Chris Cyborg, but uh, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. But at the same time, there's the old adage, Joe, talk shit, get hit. I concur. Yeah, but go on. Sorry. I mean, that that's just how I feel. I mean, if, if you're going to put out tweets of that nature, 
clowning somebody who is, oh, about, you know, the weight disparity is about 40% of your body weight. You got to be prepared. You got to understand. You got to know what's coming your way. Now, do I advocate it? No. Chris Cyborg should not have done that. She should have been a bigger person. Because, you know, sometimes it boils down to just saying, you know what? You're really mean. And that I mean, can do that can do more than what punching somebody in the face could do. Yeah, you know, but the thing is, like, I'm conflicted because the old school guy in me, and this goes back to, you know, for, for anyone that's ever listened to the Fight Follow Me podcast with Pearson, uh, Sean Pearson, uh, there's an old adage. I mean, when, you, when you're old school, long before there was this social media stuff, you know, I grew up in, a, in, in you know, my, my childhood and my youth days were, were basically don't talk trash about anyone if you can't back it up. Because if you're going to talk trash, you should talk trash regardless unless you're, you're looking to start a fight. That, that was just the way it is. Or you're looking to, you know, even if you're playing ball, you're playing hockey, you're playing whatever, you know, you trash talk, look at the scoreboard, that kind of stuff there. But if you want to talk about mano a mano, okay, and, and you start talking trash to someone via social media, I hate to say it, and maybe I'm wrong, but you should be accountable for what you say. Now, um, it's not to say that you know if, if you're going to say something bad about someone, you deserve to get sucker punched in the face. But if you're a fighter and you're talking trash about another fighter, you know you're 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 walking on thin ice. You know you're balancing on on tooth floss. You Are know you, you need to watch out against arguably the baddest woman on the planet too. When so, you're when you're Angela Magana struggling to keep a job in the UFC. Ugh. Now yeah. the the thing is. Was Magana in the right to press charges? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because so there's it, the other side of my argument. Like we do, we also live in a society where you can't just sucker punch people. You know, these are these are paid athletes. They're paid to fight. Uh, so you need to settle your your differences if you like inside of a cage or a ring or in the combat circle, square, whatever you want to call it. So no one deserves to be sucker punched in the face. But the old school guy in me is like, well, you know what? You want to talk trash? You want to shoot? You know, shoot the shit? All right. What's up? I mean, look at the Diaz brothers. They're not going to tolerate yeah. that kind of stuff. It's just the way it is. I mean, this, this, the stuff that we can go back with Derek Luce saying what he said about Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown, that kind of stuff gets people in trouble in real life. You know, so if Derek Luce wants to say that, I know he took out Travis Brown, but you know, there's there's problems. And same thing with you know when when people talk about, hey man, if I was in a, you talk about UFC fighters, if they were ever in the Ultimate Fighter, they're like, you know what, if some guy did that to me, I don't care about the show. I'm still a man. You know, you can't talk shit to me like that. So there's there's a weird double edged sword here. You don't want to be trash talk because you know what, you should, you're going to pay for it. We're going to fight, but then there's laws, and you can't punch somebody in the face. Just like that, knock her tooth out. So it's 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 a weird sort of conundrum. You got to follow the law. That's number one. And if you want to make it personal, then you got to pay the repercussions for it. So I kind of feel for Cyborg for wanting to just gain her respect back and hey, you better respect me, sort of thing. But I also feel for Magana who wasn't expecting it sucker punch, but you can't talk shit. Yeah, completely. Angela Magana was a completely uh, immature as she can often be. In regards to Chris Cyborg. Like, you'll hear me criticize Chris Cyborg a lot. I don't give a shit what she looks like. You, you know, that's that's not my concern. My concern is her behavior in and out of the cage. And sometimes she's she's been hard to deal with. Other times she's been really good to deal with. I've literally DM'd her on Twitter and she's given me quotes for stories before. Then there are other times when me and her go at it on Twitter. But you know what? I'm not out there saying... Chris Cyborg, you're ugly. You look like Jigsaw. And that's what Angela Magana did. And if I were saying something like that, 
you know, uh, I'm thinking of a fighter who I criticize. Uh, Nikita Krylov. I don't say anything about Nikita Krylov that I wouldn't expect to have to answer to to his face. If he came up to me and he said, you want to see how quickly I can get out of a Von Flu choke? I would be like, you know what? You probably get out of mine very easily, but you didn't get out of Ovin St. Bruce. But you don't criticize somebody like that. And that's that's a thing, you know, that's a subject that's been tackled before, I mean, in, in recent weeks. Like, what's off limits? Well, for the media, we have a certain, there's there's no mandated code of ethics, but there are ethics. Angela McGon is a fighter. Now, keep in mind, she is at a fighter summit, a fighter retreat, where an allegedly drunk Budweiser speaker is saying, be yourself, but be Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jessica Panay's tweet was classic about that one. That was fantastic. Yeah, and Aljamain Sterling really went in on him too. So the UFC brings these people in, and I wonder if some of these speakers backfired a little bit. I know a few of them did, which we will talk about. But you got Budweiser up there drinking Budweiser, saying, "Be yourself, but be Conor McGregor." Well, that's kind of what Angela Magana did, but she still shouldn't have done it. And Chris Cyborg absolutely should not have hit Angela Magana. I'll say this to Angela Magana's credit. She can play the heel, and she does it very well. Like, there are very few people on social media who play the heel better than she does. Because, man, people people really dislike her and Beck Rawlings. They really do, but... I love Beck Rawlings. Uh, not not a lot of other people. I like playing as her on EA UFC 2 whenever I give that a go <laughs> because she is nine inches taller than everybody else in her division. But, uh, yeah, it's – it's uh, man, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm looking for somebody to be right, but nobody is. No, you're right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. It, it, you mentioned the media has a certain – we do, but we don't have a certain code of ethics. I lived by the same rule since day one. I'm not going to sit here, whether I'm on a podcast, whether I'm a, a, a subject of an interview on someone else's podcast or radio show or TV show, my own TV show at the time. I would never say anything that I would never be accountable for. In essence, if I talk about anybody from Dana White to George St. Pierre to Frank Trigg to Brock Lesnar to Beck Rawlings in, on, in public – I should be accountable when they see me and say, hey, I saw that, you know, whether it was Ronda Rousey or whether it was John Jones doing what he was doing. I would always curb my, my emotion and just try and give out the facts and be careful about my opinion because if they're watching, they're going to question me on it and I better be able to explain myself without getting into an altercation. So yeah. in that type of situation, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little different than I would say – more than half of the media out there because I know and you can go up and down so many of them uh, in terms of what they say, what they tweet, uh, what they do in terms of talking about fighters and managers and, and UFC executives or Bellator executives. And then when I see them face to face with them, I'm kind of like, you're a coward, man, because you talked a lot of shit and this person doesn't even know that you did that. You're lucky. Whereas with myself, I can look in the mirror at the end of every day and say, you know what? I didn't talk trash much about anyone. I gave my opinion. But if that person wants to come to me and question me, well, we're going to have a discussion right now. But I would never talk trash in a manner where it's like I need to watch out and defend myself. Um, Vladimir Matsuchenko, way back in the day when, they, when he was talking about Tito Ortiz, fighting with Tito Ortiz, and he said, look, man, I grew up in a country in a system where if you're going to talk trash, you better be ready 24-7 because these mothers will come to your door. 
these mofos will come to your door, knock on your door, and you better be ready to throw down. And that's the way I live my life because you just never know uh, when you're traveling. When I'm traveling, I go down to Florida uh, to do tight FC this past weekend. You know, I, I, I got to talk about the, I got fighters complimenting me, uh, DMing me on social media saying thank you very much uh, for everything. I get accused of being politically correct, Sean, when I call fights. I'm just calling the fight. I don't care about this person outside of the cage. Uh, I care about what they're doing in the cage and what we did to lead up to this fight here. My personal opinion of them is irrelevant. I might talk, talk about it here. But if I do talk about it here, Sean, and I see them again at the next Titan FC show, well, I better be accountable for what I said. 100%. And that, that's a thing that I particularly have to deal with. I'm, I'm calling I'm calling the action for Premier MMA Championship in <laughs> in Covington this Saturday. I have a funny story about that. Uh-oh. So I used to do commentary for Absolute Action MMA, which is a local promotion that has had several UFC stars come from it. And I would always say, guys, hey, you got to send me some information. You got to send me some information. I'll talk to you at the venue, but a lot of times it's it's hard to get information at a venue, at a regional event, amateurs, things like that. There was this one guy, and I'm sure this will get back to him. He sent me a video, and it, it, it he was a little unusual, and he said, Sup, man, here's a video of me. I fight. I break bricks. And I okay. said, what? <laughs> I open up the video, and it is a video of him attempting to break bricks, but failing. He didn't break, he didn't break the bricks. So on commentary, myself and Chris Smith were doing the commentary, and I kind of clowned about it. I was like, this guy, he says he can break bricks, but he didn't. He went in there and he knocked a dude out like with a crazy Vanderlei Vitor barrage in like 12 seconds. All right. And I was like, man, I'm going to hear it from this guy because his whole camp is like this. They're, the, they're these just push forward, slug, none of them are, look like they're in good shape, but they never get tired type of guys. And the next time I see him, or the next, time, next event, I was like, man, I'm going to have to deal with this because not only that, he and my fight team have a bit of a feud. But he comes up to me and he looks at me and he's like, Sean Ross Sapp, that commentary. I loved it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. Uh, also, uh, uh, there's a clip that I'm going to – I may play here on the air where his teammate didn't tell us his name. He wouldn't tell us his last name. And it's spelled M-A-H-O-E. What does that sound like? Maho! So throughout this show, Maho is getting choked. <laughs> no, I got you. I mean, in terms of commentary, I mean, I, I had the conversation with a bunch of the fighters uh, at Titan FC, most specifically Kurt Hollibo's camp. Uh, by the way, Kurt Hollibo, now the interim Titan FC lightweight champion, having defeated Jay-Z uh, in a stellar fight. That was fantastic. But we were just talking, and they were asking me questions about other play-by-play guys and, and guys that I've worked with or guys that you know were, were sort of in the same um, – melting pot sort of thing uh, and I said look man I'm simple I never listen to myself after a show but I'm always open to constructive criticism if you don't like what I say or you weren't happy with how I said something or if I said something incorrect or you want me to say something on the show I am all ears man you call me you text me you social media me whatever you like just let me know because I don't listen to myself I can't stand listening to my voice I can't stand listening to anything I've ever done in the past other than when it's going to be a sit down with a pen and paper uh, with a talent coach or anything like that to say okay here's what you need to work on here's your strengths here's your coaching opportunities you need to do this and then Kurt's camp came up to me and they said you know what we watched everything you've done when you're calling Kurt's fights 
we love what you do. Would you mind saying this? Just be careful when you say this. I said, you know what? That's a fantastic point, and I'll do that 100%. I did it for this fight here, and they were like – we were in line waiting to get paid, Sean. Like the event's over, and there's Kurt with his damn phone watching the Titan FC broadcast on UFC Fight Pass after his fight, and I'm like two people behind him, and he's looking at me, and he turns the volume up. I'm like, dude, come on, man. I don't want to – I'm trying to talk to some people here, right? He's like, no, man. He goes, you're, you're fantastic. Thank you so much. Jay-Z comes around. He says he watched the fight. He goes, man, you're good. He goes, thank you, thank you, thank you. He goes, I know I lost, but thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm like, guys, just I, I'm doing my thing. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of like, okay, you know what? And then I did what they asked me to do. And their guy comes around and he's like, man, he goes, I've never met a play-by-play guy that would do that. I said, but you gave me good information. You gave me good constructive criticism. I think it works. I only want to get better. You know, I could care less about all the people that were ripping me when I was doing, I don't know, well, I didn't get ripped a lot, but there were a couple of people that are no names, Sean, you know, the people that have like an egg as their avatar on, Not on Twitter. Not anymore. They got rid of the egg. Bring oh, back did they? the egg. They got okay. that stupid silhouette now. Bring back the egg. <laughs> yeah, but uh, – just people ripping me apart because I had a Canadian accent when I was doing Ryzen fights, and I'm like, whatever. Like, that's just how I talk. I don't have any other accent. This is how I speak. So uh, I'm always up for criticism. But again, I don't put myself in a situation where I'm going to get myself in trouble. Now, you mentioned about dealing with a fighter where you couldn't even get their last name, you couldn't get any information on them. I'll tell you this. At Titan, what I decided to do for this show here, and it helped me out so much, Sean, was when I was so when the fighters come in for the weigh-ins, they've got to do this car wash sort of scenario. They got to check in uh, with Daniel K, who's basically the operations guy, to make sure all their information is there, uh, their fight song, their entrance, their blah 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 blah. And then once they're done with him, they line up in front of me, and I ask them certain questions. I verify everything that I have about them in my notes, and then I ask them some specific questions. Generally, I ask all the fighters the same thing. We know you're a fighter. We know what you do. But what do you do in your spare time when you're not training, when you're not fighting? When you're not, I just want to tell a story from the point of when you are announced to when you walk to the cage. I just want a quick story. What do you do? I had one guy tell me he's got five different jobs. You know, I had one guy saying he's, a, he's a, an, an auto body painter. He works on classic cars. I had one person saying that they're a manager. They're, they were managing Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz. I'm just kind of, what? What's going on here? I didn't know that. And, you know, little small things like that. Of the 20 fighters that I had to interview that day, Sean, 19 were absolutely gold. Mm-hmm. I had one guy that was just, you know, you can make the argument with someone who's well, that guy's a douchebag. I'm like, he's cutting weight, man. He's having a hard time cutting weight. He doesn't want to sit in front of me for, for five seconds. I'll wait. I don't need it right now. The broadcast is tomorrow. Yeah, but you know what? He was rude to you and his camp was rude to you. They're cutting weight, man. Who cares? I got the story that I needed. We talked about it on the air. We got a good sort of ovation for it. Done. You know, but sometimes people, Sean, are just going to be absolute douches. Yeah. But oh, that, am I going to come there and say that? I got a, a guy who confronted me said, I didn't like what you said in my last fight. I was like, it's not my fault that you held onto a double wrist lock of Kimura when you were on your back. And the dude stepped over and took an arm bar. That's stuff you learn in the first couple months of defense. Like, it. Would you have rather me said, oh, man, it was a smart move, or would you have rather me have been honest? Because I don't care. It's my job. I got to do it. The bottom line is I said that knowing that that guy might come up and say something. Much different because we're in the media, but Angela Magana, when she tweeted that, she then has to ex- not just assume, but almost expect the person 
to come to her face. Now, Chris Cyborg doing what she did was not right. That absolutely was not right. It wasn't cool. She should face charges for that because that that also hurts the the image of MMA. And all these negative percent like it's and I saw people saying that the UFC wanted this to happen. The UFC didn't want that to happen. It was that's the most ignorant like there are some ignorant like conspiracy theories as it relates to Chris <laughs> Cyborg. It's just it's just nuts. And then this this fighters retreat. I mentioned the, the Budweiser thing. Then the Kobe Bryant thing. And that's man, you want to talk about a good speaker to have up there. Glad they put Kobe Bryant up there. But I think it was Leslie Smith that said, how important is a fighters association to, or an association to what you do? And Kobe Bryant, who is being paid by the UFC, being yeah. paid by WME IMG, says it is crucial. It is almost mandatory. Uh, we argue, we fight just like you guys do. But we know that when we argue and we fight about this, it's because each of us has an idea that makes that makes us think that or that makes each respective one think that this will make the sport better, it will make us better, it will make future generations better. I know because I've heard from fighters that the Kobe Bryant thing opened up a few eyes because you hear Leslie Smith, who's probably making fifteen and fifteen, say, We need an association. That's one thing. You hear Kobe Bryant, who has FU money, saying, we really need an association, and so do you. Well, that maybe makes you look at it a little bit differently. Now, does Conor McGregor want an association? Probably not. It's Joe, we see the same thing in pro wrestling. Do Hulk Hogan, John Cena, The Rock, Brock Lesnar, would they ever want a union or an association? Hell no, they're at the top of the card. Would well, that's he- the that's the disparity between the top and the bottom, right? It's always been like that. Uh, eventually, you know, if it gets done, you got to pay your union dues, right? Yeah, I, I you got to have it. I you know I I wish MMA media and pro wrestling media had one too. I wish all that stuff. They they we need associations and things like that. Almost every line of work needs it, down to nurse aides. Like, the, the fact that nurse aides in America don't have an association, and you got people working 16-hour shifts taking care of the elderly when they've been working for 14 straight hours, and we consider that safe. There are a lot of occupations that need need this stuff. Now, let's talk about the real story from this retreat. The punch machine rankings. Did you see this? I didn't see them all, but yeah, I saw some of them, yeah. Patrick Williams, number one. Come on now. <laughs> What's up with that? That can't... Suspect. Suspect. Who threw spinning back kicks? Was it uh, Uriah Hall and Tisha Torres? I didn't see that, but... Yeah, there were some, some uh, spinning kicks that got measured as well. Well, I'm surprised that Uriah Halls didn't win, but how about Rashad Evans ranking in the top 10? The old man getting it done. He can generate power, man. He's always been cool with the feet, cool with the footwork, cool generation of power. When you train with, you know, you continue to train with some of the best, especially with a guy like Henry Hooft, you're going to generate power, man. Yeah, I was I was impressed. I was very impressed with that. I'm trying to find the numbers right now. I had tweeted it. I will find them. But I think that's pretty cool that they had one of those there. Uh, I was at a local bar a few years ago, and I'm not a big bar guy, Joe. I don't drink. 
but I watched a guy spend at least $50 in ones on a punch machine. Oh, my goodness. At least $50. He was there for, he had to have been there for an hour. Had to have been there for an hour. Wow. It, it was unbelievable. And as I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, okay, there are only three options here, Joe. There are only three possibilities. Like, he really loves a punch machine and he's bored. Two, he thinks that he's going to impress a girl. Like, some girl's going to be like, oh, oh my God, you're so <laughs> sexy. How, how many did you get? 500? You're taking me home tonight. Or he thinks somebody's there to get him. Like there's some old-timey boxing promoter. Hi, kid. Yeah, I think you got what it takes to compete in the big leagues. Just silly we're, 50 We're going to sign you right now. That's what it's... Mm. Oh, the here best, they are. Here, the, here best are the rankings. Been, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Patrick Williams, John Tuck, Michael Kinonis... David Grant, Mike Perry, no surprise, Tyron Woodley, Rashad Evans, Stevie Ray, Arnold Allen, Enrique Da Silva, Uriah Hall. Did everyone do it? No, there's no way that everybody did it. I was going to say, yeah. But John Tucker. Francis Ngannou did it. Well, he didn't rank. Your boy didn't rank. I don't know. Wuss. No. Wuss. Absolute monster. Let everybody tweet Francis Ngannou and let them know that Showdown Joe thinks he's a wuss. Yeah, please don't do that. Guys, don't do that. And don't. and that Showdown Joe said, it's no surprise that John Tuck, 155-pounder, outstruck Francis Ngannou. Please, under no circumstances, should you guys ever listen to anything Sean Rossap ever says to do about me please just that's just silly i don't need to deal with francis after this he's a little he's a bit of a liability at times i know that you were like you were like (laughs) arnold allen's 23 years old he was a former bantamweight out punched and gone no big deal I think the classic ending to that story you mentioned about that guy in the bar throwing in $50 or $1 bills um, into that machine was if some female walked right up there and just smashed it one time and beat whatever record he had. Yeah. That would be an ego crusher right there. I mean, there's this that's, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of peeps about the fighter retreat. Um, some liked it, some didn't. Some had the light bulb go off in their head, and I was kind of like, you know, you. That's information that's been available to you since the beginning of your career. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there that, that I didn't see it's not a waste of time because you're in Vegas. You're going to have a good time, right? So, no matter what, you're, you're getting flown out to Vegas and whatever. But the information, some of the information that was discussed or shared could have been just sent out via email. Yeah. Right? That's very so, true. That's yeah, very it's, true. It, I mean, uh, I, I saw Pat uh, Pat Berry, uh, who I want to talk to, by the way. Um, I want to connect with him uh, before the podcast started. Pat Berry, if you go on his social media, he's ripping into all this. Like he's ripping into this fighter um, um, athlete retreat uh, in terms of you know what may have been leaked out there from what was discussed. And he's about to, see, you know, he was saying that you know we're about to see a lot of a holes now come out with the UFC. I guess stemming from what the Anheuser Busch party mentioned, uh, and that you know be you, but be Conor McGregor. And you know it's it was, you know, Pat Berry is a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve. 
he's about as real as it gets. I have a, an interview somewhere on, I don't know if it's on this phone, but on another phone of a clip uh, that just kind of warmed my heart when he was just on the stage, just being, or not on stage, being on the dais after an event, and it just Pat Barry being Pat Barry. Uh, he calls it like it is, and and you don't even know if it's like it's like a Diaz brother, man. They just they don't know that you shouldn't say that, or you should say that. It's just they're just real, and Pat's a real guy, and he's taking shots at what was discussed uh, at this retreat in terms of new pe- different ways of marketing yourself. Now, we do live in an age, Sean, or an era in MMA, uh, and it's not Conor McGregor that started it, nor is it Chael Sonnen, nor is it Tito Ortiz. Uh, you can go back as far as you want to look at combat. Sport. There's always people that just were so real or that decided to play the heel. Uh, and that's unfortunately what's going to sell. How many fighters that we know that are fantastic fighters, amazing fighters? Uh, and I can give you a list of you know dozens upon dozens upon dozens. But to the mainstream public or to the public in general, they just have no personality. They just can't the, – the fans cannot resonate with them and could care less about following them on social media or just saying, yeah, you know what? I love when this guy fights or when this girl fights. But – I don't know when they're fighting again. They can't resonate. So in a way, I'm kind of happy the UFC brought that out and say, look, man, or girls, guys and girls, you really got to get out there. You got to make some noise. Here's the thing. I don't think they needed to after the summer kickoff presser. I think think everybody got the picture. Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Lee is a real fight that I I literally, I wish I had my my Charlie Brown peanuts calendar right here. (laughs) It is circled on my calendar. Lee versus Kiesa. It's it's a real thing that I'm like, can't wait for that one. And it's funny because Brock Lesnar is considered one of the more charismatic guys in MMA uh, around that period. In pro wrestling, he has to have a mouthpiece. That should that should explain. And, and nobody got the picture after, well, not nobody, but very few got the picture after Chael Sonnen. Some did. But it seems like since Conor McGregor not only has come along and done the same thing, but made a ton of money and crossed over, crossed over to the point to where he's like, movie roles? No, I'm good. I don't. I don't want to be in your movie. Triple X? Nah, I'm all set. I don't want to do that. Huh? That's it's funny, man. It's it's crazy the way it works. But if we get more stuff like like that UFC summer kickoff presser, I just keep thinking they can't get any better. I keep thinking. That they can't do any better, and with regularity, I'm seeing them out pro wrestling, pro wrestling, because I'm I'm sitting here watching, and I'm like, I wish WWE would do this. I wish WWE would just let people speak, and whether it was a little, because ma- a lot of the, those beefs are manufactured. We know they are, but everything's manufactured in WWE, and I, I just. I like you know what I, I think you're making a, a point that most people are missing because you know call me old school but I liked it way better when there were press conferences and not single interviews uh, when you go to, to media fight week or when point. it's fight week and you go to media day and all the fighters you got five on one side five on the other side you have an hour and a half to get to them all and there's lineups and everybody wants their own exclusive uh, everybody wants to get their own story in there and blah blah, blah. and then you got people that you know when they do their interviews it's ten and a half minutes long. You know, and you're just kind of trying to get a clip, right, or a couple of clips here and there. I liked it better when they were on the dais, main event, co-main event, each fighter, and then a couple of other fighters, Dana White in the middle, and we go. Everyone gets sort of the same content, but 
there's bad blood there, right? Because they're there. I mean, I, I'll never forget when I asked Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir. I said, you know, are you? Do you think it's funny that you're being considered a sacrificial lamb, right, to the UFC and Frank Mir? And people were like, what the heck? And he even laughed, right? But it was one of those things where it was kind of like everyone heard that, and it was fun. It was a real press conference. I'd rather see press conferences, pre-fight press conference, and full post-fight press conferences. That's what I miss. Uh, and the UFC doing this, what, what they, they basically got the idea from the Super Bowl, right? It was the Super Bowl when they when they were guests at the Super Bowl and promoting some of their events. They had some guests. I think Chuck Liddell was there and stuff like that. That they realized, hey, you know what? You know what they do? What the NFL does on Super Bowl week? They have every fighter stationed and blah 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 blah. We should do the same thing. And I remember the first time I was like, that's. Ah, kind of cool as long as i can get my exclusive if i'm if he's gonna get it i want it if he's gonna get it i want very simple but then when you think about it now nah, you know what i'd rather have them in a press conference format what do you think or you could just have them at a luncheon and ally aquinta could slap a plate of food out of cajun johnson's hand and that would work just fine because that's exactly what happened al cajun that guy that guy well you also talked to uh kamaro usman about this uh, you want to you want to go ahead and run that and so. yeah, Kamaro. I mean, Kamaro was uh, he, he was with me doing the play by play, and then he had to take off uh, to go to the fighter summit. And then I said, you know what, I'll leave you alone after the event. He disappeared. I mean, he just like right in thin air, uh, and he flew out to Vegas. And I said, I had I said when you're done, I want to talk to you. And I was lucky enough to catch up uh, with him right before he boarded his flight. So here's Kamaro Usman talking about his time at the athlete retreat. Now joining me right now is my broadcast partner from Titan FC, Kamara Usman, who was with me uh, to my right as we did Titan FC 44. Uh, and then I, I don't know if it was just in between a break or something. He informs me, yeah, I got to get out of here right away tonight because I got to head over to Vegas for the UFC athlete retreat. I was like, you are going to be tired. So I have to ask you, uh, how did it, how did that all go, man? How was the flight and when you landed? Man, it was, uh, it was kind of a whirlwind. You know, uh, we got done with this show uh, – Incredible fight, by the way. Uh, Jose Shorty Torres uh, did a, an amazing job once again being the champ champ. Um, but, yeah, after those fights, uh, I think I got out of there maybe 12.45. And straight away, I drove straight home. It's about an hour and 15-minute drive to my house. So straight home, went and already pre-packed a little bit. So went and grabbed uh, grabbed my bags drove straight to the airport, which was another 30 minutes north. Um, got to the airport. I didn't sleep uh, so I could catch my 5 a.m. flight. Caught my flight, stopped in Atlanta, which I hate layovers. Caught, stopped in Atlanta, and then after Atlanta, headed straight to Vegas and got off the plane, took my stuff, didn't even check in, went straight to uh, the meetings on, on Saturday. So, you know, yeah. It, it was a long, long process, but it was amazing, amazing. It doesn't help that you end up being in Vegas because in Vegas uh, <laughs> you're not allowed to sleep in essence. Uh, but let, let me ask you this. Was the athlete retreat – we'll get into the fun stuff in a second, if you, whatever you want to tell. But in terms of the actual athlete retreat, um, was it worth it? Yes, definitely. It's amazing. I mean, I think uh, this is the direction that kind of what we you know, at UFC athletes wanted to see. And uh, they basically, they, they pulled out all the stops and they uh, kind of reassured us that, hey, we're headed in the right direction. So, yeah, they did an amazing job. 
Uh, in terms of stuff that you may have learned, what are some of the things that you learned? Is it more of a branding thing? Is it more what to potentially do with your money, uh, training, nutrition? What's, what are the, some of the things that you took away? They did all of that. But, uh, you know, for me, the main part is this branding because, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I've been educated, you know, quite a bit on how to obviously take care of my money and, and things like that. But, you know, branding in, in such a sport that's still relatively new, that's growing. And there's a ton of guys, you know. And so for someone like me being a, an immigrant from a different country where the sport's not so big, you know, branding and kind of getting my name and the word out there is probably one of the biggest takeaways for me. Uh, in terms of some of the extracurricular activities uh, that kind of break out now on social media, uh, Cyborg uh, has been cited. She's um, with a battery, like she's going to get charged or something's going on there for her incident with Angela Magana. I mean, you got 300 fighters. Uh, there's booze involved. Something like that potentially could happen. Uh, it sucks that it's happening in a division that they're still trying to build. But uh, are you surprised with some of the stuff that you saw while you're down there in this whole Cyborg situation? Um, actually, it was actually pretty good. I mean, you know, for, yeah, like you said, you know, booze uh, and 300 fighters, that, that shit mixed very well, you know, all, all stuck together on, a, on an island <laughs> in Vegas. But, you know, this actually did not occur. This was kind of middle of the day, you know, there wasn't any drinking and things like that. And, you know, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Charges and be having the cops involved. I, I'm it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm sure the cops came to, oh, you guys are all fighters and called us, you know, why? I mean, it's, you know, it's ridiculous, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, accidents happen. Here's what it is. All right now, you're at the airport right now, so people that are listening to the audio portion, you can hear uh, a female voice in the back room. Kamaro, or in the background, uh, Kamaro is at the airport ready to take a flight home to go see his little princess, beautiful daughter. Uh, before anything, Kamaro, before we let you go, what is next for you? Man, uh, you know, fingers crossed. You know, I'm hoping for that big fight. I'm hoping for a fight to, you know, really uh, let the fans know, those casual fans that are still out there, that are still kind of doubting and, or, or, you know, guessing, oh, where is this guy? Why is this guy there? You know, I'm looking for that fight to really let them know that, hey, I am the real deal. You know, I have, I mean, I, I pretty much walked through everyone so far. You know, I want a test. You know, I, I want someone that who they think will be a test. You know, not necessarily do I think it's be a test. I think I want someone the fans consider someone that could be a test for me and so i could really shine and show them that hey you know i'm on a different level than a lot of these guys so fingers crossed hopefully maybe end of july august we'll see what happens well my fingers are crossed that it is the gentleman you called out neil magny we just don't know we have to wait and see how that all unfolds i do want to before we one more thing i do want to ask you uh because i know you got to board that flight uh there was an awkward incident at titan fc where i did my best as a professional broadcaster not to laugh my face off or to just sort of react to it but you are in the cage interviewing i think the winner was mike cargo if i'm not mistaken uh and he continued to say that he's the best welterweight in the world (laughs) as the person interviewing him is a top 10 welterweight uh in the ufc uh, was that awkward for you? Did you want to say something, or were you like, "Nah, it's not my time here"? Um, no, you know, no. At, at the end of the day, as a, as a competitor, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of when you hear something like that, it kind of like really, like, I'm standing right next to you. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, I have to be a professional as well. I was there to work, and you know, and I, I commend him for having that self belief in himself. You know, it, it's it's a great thing to have. 
you know, I think every athlete who wants to be a champion should have that belief. But, you know, at the end of the day, the athlete part of me was like, do you see any standing next to you? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is, uh, you know, uh, you know, great performance by him. You know, he, he did a good job at it's what it is. Listen, my man, thank you. Board the flight. Have yourself a wonderful time. We definitely thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, you are the man. I look forward to seeing you. Uh, from what I understand, it won't be till August, hopefully sooner, but we do thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. Always good to hear from the number 10 welterweight in the world, Joe. <laughs> my boy. I'm liking his little the beard that he had there because he didn't have that on Friday night. So that's a that's a sign he had a good time uh, in Las Vegas, uh, and he forgot to bring his razor. I think. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, uh, this this just came in. Uh, this is from Mark Romandi of MMA Fighting. Tough twenty six tryouts going on right now. Some of the names there: Jessica Rose Clark, Rachel Ostevich, Christine Faria, who fought Tiffany Van Sost like three days ago. Uh, Zoila Frosto. Christine no Stanley, uh, Sajara Eubanks, Barb Honchak, Lauren Murphy, Roxanne Modafferi. Roxanne Modafferi, a name who, when she was leaving the UFC, I was like, she's done. She, I don't want to see her fight again. Uh, it's amazing what going to a real MMA camp will do for you because her career has transformed. Also, Zoila, that's that's a always an interesting one because you never know what's going to happen whether it goes to the judges or whether the fight's going to be finished with, with her. And she's 33 now. Yeah. She's She fought once last year. I mean, she takes these extended breaks. Like, she hasn't fought in a, almost a year and a half now. She hadn't fought in a while, like, between, I think, the Porto and the Live Arger fight. But, I mean, this is a woman. I think she was the first person to beat Fuji, right? Fuji, yeah. Yeah. So, she's beaten Panay, Jessica Aguilar. Rosie Sexton back in the day, she was the women's 115-pound champion in Bellator before Bellator, they, yeah. they completely abandoned that. So what? Which, I mean, Bellator abandoning champions, it's like, <laughs> come on, like Cole Conrad and Vitaly Minikov and Lombard just dipping. I don't get that theory, man. I don't... I don't to I me, don't. you want as... as that, that is something. I, I don't like that because... Like, it's been over three years since they had a heavyweight title fight. What's the deal? What's is up che- with that? I mean, is Czech Congo, well, I wouldn't say the defunct champion, but, like, what's going on there, man? Like, I Pretty mean, that much. division. Yeah, like. Uh, what a terrible fight that was. What a terrible fight any Czech Congo fight is. It's it's crazy how he used to be so exciting, and then this happened. It's so funny that it's the reverse Rory McDonald. Because Rory McDonald kind of had some of those boring fights, and he's getting a flat fee now. I don't buy the boring Rory McDonald fights, you know, because I understand that people were always saying, uh, you know, he's nobody training. was buying the boring Rory McDonald fights. If you get my drift, okay, cool. <laughs> um, who would be calling me? Someone's calling me right now. Like, I'm on the air, peeps. Stop oh, calling I've, me. I've had like three calls. Oh, that drives me nuts. I, uh, anyways, um, people will criticize Rory because he trains with Faraz and TriStar is boring. And I'm like, what are you watching? You know, like, have you ever competed or trained in MMA? Like, you're fighting someone who's trained just as hard as you to knock your block off. You're not going to go there and swing. You're an elite mixed martial artist. So uh, I'm, I'm happy the way Rory competes. And um, this fight here, 
that he had with Paul Daly. I mean, we, we, we can get into that whenever you like, but um, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Rory's career. I know that Scott Coker said Bellator is go- or uh, that Rory McDonald is going to help Bellator usher in a new era in Canada and he'll help help them, blah, blah. I, I'm not buying it. I mean, I, I don't think Scott Coker truly understands Rory's stock value in Canada. They got like two Canadians on the roster. Like, that's it. They got like him and Julia Budd, which, you know, if you want to run an event there, you can say uh, featherweight title fight, is it? Featherweight title fight and a welterweight title fight. That's okay. But you got to fill some other guys out. You need to sign a Sean Pearson, put his name on the marquee. Well, that's where Sean was originally going to go. It was Bellator? He had an offer from Bellator before we got him into the UFC. So, um, is he still? I, I, is is Sean still under UFC contract? I believe so. I believe so. Which means nothing because he's never going to fight again. Well, so. I mean, you know, if they offered him, if they offered him Viacom money, he might. Well, you never know. <laughs> I'll throw this your way, and then guys in the chat, thank you to everyone who's on the, on the live chat right now. We sincerely appreciate it, putting up your comments and giving, giving us your thoughts. But, you know, and don't take this as me insulting Rory. I'm just simply looking at it from a Julie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Julia Budd versus Rory McDonald perspective. I bet you Julia Budd would sell, or do you think Julia Budd would sell more tickets in her market than Rory McDonald would sell in his market? And what they could do is take Rory and Julia and put that card on in BC where they're both from. No, I don't think she would. Nobody knows who she is. No offense. Nobody knows who she is. Even Canadians with their flappy heads. I'm saying in the local market. In the local market. Well, it depends where... In BC. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Rory McDonald has headlined UFC pay-per-views. Even locally, I think people more so would know who he is. And I I, I don't buy the Canadian renaissance of Bellator like there ever was. Like Bellator no, ever happened. was big there. No. I don't know. And that, that show the other night. I just though- don't, You know what it is? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry. Like, I've had my differences with Rory. I love the kid. I think he's just an amazing fighter. I just, I don't know what it is. I just wish he would embrace that Canadian psycho role or something, you know, like just something because he's just, but he's being real. He is who he is. I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth. He is who he is. It just doesn't resonate. And I know he wants, he's told me flat out to my face. I want to make that Floyd Mayweather money. Uh, you know, I want the same suits as what you're wearing, Joe, and blah, blah. And I'm like, you got to make some noise, dude, because you're a killer. Yeah. You're an absolute killer. People love to talk about you as this Canadian psycho, and I think you should run with it. I just wish he would, but you know, now he's a dad, and he's just thinking of things differently. I like what he said in his post-fight interview that you know there was a lot of things that he had to change. So we'll see where that goes. But you know, I always wish the best for Rory. I don't, I don't care about what happened between him and I. I just I wish him the best. But you know, just wish he could just. I want the kid to have a million dollars in his bank account. I mean, whatever, right? Do you think Sorry. he does by now? I think he does by now. I don't know. I think he's got a million in there by now. After, after Saturday, I think he does. Or was it Friday? I can't Taxes. remember. Friday. Taxes. Taxes. Yeah, it's true. 
but this show in general, I mean, it, it was kicked off by Kimbo Slice, Baby Slice, getting a win. I didn't get to see that fight because I was I was out. But he took uh, his opponent down to the ground. I was just like, what? What are you he, doing? He's a much more complete fighter than his dad. Yeah, and I could see that in his first amateur fight. I could see it against a complete scrub. But uh, when once I finally get to check that out, I'll, I'll speak more on that. But Czech Congo, Augusta Sakai. <laughs> Uh, like I, I don't know what Bellator wanted, but they got this 26-year-old undefeated fighter in Sakai, who beat Alex Huddleston, who I knew they thought very highly of, and went to a draw with Dan Charles. But you get in there with Chet Congo, it's a bore fest. And we had Constantine Eckner live at, in London covering this event, and he said that he talked to Sakai after the fight, and Sakai was just like, man, you know what you're getting into whenever you sign the dotted line to fight Czech Congo. Oh, wow. And you know it's going to be a boring fight. That's This is the same guy who fought Pat Barry in one of the best fights I've ever seen. Oh, the, the, the back and forth momentum swings comeback in that fight is just, it's legendary. But for some reason, I don't know, man. I don't know if, what it is, playing it safe, not just pulling the trigger when he has to. It's just weird. Very weird. Then Linton Vassell over Liam McGeary. Yeah. Linton Vassell, man, he's a, he's a game dude. Like, the only person, the only two people that have beaten him since, I think, 2011 are King Mo and Emmanuel Newton. And that's when Emmanuel Newton was just, like, beating everybody. And since Beast. then, Vassell has, has beaten him, has returned the favor. I, I'm down with giving him the winner of... Uh, the the Bellator 180. I mean, he, he back to back to back. Newton, Carmont, McGeary. It's pretty not, impressive. Not like the best names in the world, but... But for Bellator, yeah. But for Bellator, that's a hell of a streak. And Liam McGeary has now lost two of his, two of his last three. And he didn't... You know, he wasn't doing that hot against Tito early on. Like, Tito was roughing him up a little bit. Do you think we've seen the end of McGeary at the top levels of... Bellator's light heavyweight division. He's 34, which a lot of people don't realize. I don't think so. Not yet. I think he's got one more run left in him. I think he's just got to go back to the you know drawing board and realize what is going on here and, and what is causing him to fight in this manner and lose the way he's losing. I think he still has plenty of juice in the tank left. Not, I'm not saying 10 years worth, but he's still got time. I think, I think if he just readjusts things, he should be fine. Well, I mean, I don't know how many times I asked if your boy, Joe Warren, was done at the top of any number of Bellator's divisions, but the guy keeps coming back and getting title shots and title opportunities. You got your head in your hands. What's up with that? Go he on. gets great gifts from the Japanese. Like, I mean, he, he's at the top of his game. But, yeah, it, the Bellator light heavyweight division is shaping up kind of nicely. I'm liking that. I'm liking that because King Mo is always going to be there at heavyweight or light heavyweight or whatever you want him at. The thing that's most interesting, well, outside of this, uh, I don't think they've got another show. They had the the Bellator Monster Energy Fight Series. I'm sure you were just so pumped for that because um, <laughs> I didn't realize until I was here on their wiki page. And I am a fan of Monster Energy. Monster, get a hold of you, boy. Let's set something up. A couple yeah. of years ago, it's funny, I reached out to them, and they're like, well, we're just doing the extreme sports type of thing, but maybe talk to us down the line. Well, hey, now you're in bed with Bellator. 
get in bed with Showdown Joe and Sean Ross Sapp. Let's do a little sponsorship. Uh, Sean at Fightful.com, by the way. Contact me. But the next Bellator show is um, over a month away, and you don't see that a lot, Joe. No, I know. That's very strange, yeah. And this show is going to be a fun one, and I, I like what they've done. I, I really like what they've done. They've Okay, so it's crafty. It's crafty what they've done. You know how a lot of times Bellator and Strikeforce, the old Coker method of let's put some locals on the show, on, on the prelims. Well, what they've done for the Bellator.com and the Spike show isn't putting locals on there. They're like, let's just put people with familiar last names on the show. Chinzo Machida, Carrie Ann <laughs> Melendez, Ryan Couture, uh, Neiman Gracie. And I got to say, I like the idea. I like it. What I would have done if I were them, I would have put Baby Slice on this too. Um, which, hey, you know what? That guy will fight on like a week's notice. He really doesn't care. What do you think of them doing that? I think it's great. I think it's smart. I think it's uh, ingenious. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, ah, let's move some chess pieces around this board without anybody looking, and then they'll notice it afterwards and they'll like it. It's just, it's just. I, I think it's it could get interesting. It could be, you know, realistically, will will it draw viewership? Who knows? Uh, I'd probably say no, but you know the. The idea there, sometimes when you're talking about mixed martial arts promotion, uh, no idea is – well, I shouldn't say that because you look at Japan, but no idea is too far-fetched. Uh, but you know, y- y- sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to get those ratings up, and you got to do what you got to do to get people to tune in to your product. So I think it's a great idea. Back to the current situation at hand. By the way, we may have to cover that Bellator 180 show the, the day following as I have a, an important situation. I also have a wedding to go to. During this UFC show, but I think I'm going to make it back in time for that. No worries there. For Sunday show, you're saying? Not Sundays. Uh, the one, not this weekend, next weekend. Okay. The the Aldo show. As if that fight will actually happen. Oh, wow. Don't kill the karma. Oh, my gosh. That's getting me nervous. There was a guy on Twitter. Gosh, I, I can't remember who it was. The week of Habib Ferguson. He said, there's still five days for this fight to fall out. And it did. No way. But... Well- Back to Rory, he beat Paul Daly, and it, it didn't even look hard. It didn't look hard. He looked like the Rory McDonald. It's so weird to think that he's still 27. He's 27. And I'm I'm just sitting here like, I can't believe UFC let this guy go. But uh, you drop two in a row. Uh, you got a free agent market in the shape that it's in. I want to know what you thought of, of Rory's... Rory's situation, Rory's uh, fight, and you think he's going to be a double champion like he wants to be by the end of the year? I don't know about the end of the year. Um, I, I, It's a weird conundrum in my head whenever I do think of Rory McDonald. First things first, that fight versus Paul Daly. Uh, you know you're you're a hardcore MMA fan when you're working out in the morning. Uh, I, I had to do double out this morning i had to do my weights and my cardio because yesterday was a, a canadian holiday so with the family home i don't work out when the family's home so plenty of time i didn't, to work I didn't have jimmy van nagging me yesterday <laughs> there you go now you know why he probably started today um so and i'm sitting there just working out focusing on doing what i got to do and i just thinking about the rory mcdonald paul daly fight thinking to myself paul daly gave up pretty quick you know yeah that choke was 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 
potentially tight, but you know when I, I mean Paul Daly's been around long enough to know when someone's going for your back and you know to hand fight and to do whatever. Um, especially if the fight's happening, you know, in, in your on your turf. You know, kind of put up a better fight if you can. Rory was on a mission. I thought Rory's striking was significant. The the you know the small amounts of strikes that he did throw just to enter for the takedown uh, and do what he has to do. No point standing and trading with Paul Daly. That's where Paul Daly's strength is. So good on Roy for putting on that performance. Um, I think when you look at the the welterweight division and you look at the middleweight division, can Rory McDonald become a two division champ? Yeah, I'm sure he can. You know, he's got the skills. He's young. Uh, he's got reach. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got great ground and pound. Uh, we didn't really see much of it uh, in this fight here because I think his, his main goal was to get the back and, and, and do what he has to do. Paul Daly did do pretty good defending somewhat uh, until he had his back taken. Um, but when people say that the UFC, even Rory said the UFC let me go, people are always like, oh, the UFC made a mistake in letting him go. I saw that writing on the wall like years ago, like years ago. I don't know if it was the Tarek Safadine fight. No, it wasn't the Tarek Safadine fight. It was a, uh, I'm trying to remember which fight it was, but it was kind of like, you know, I had the UFC PR staff whenever we were doing stuff with Rory, you know, I don't know if it was a PR staff, but it was someone that just kind of rolling their eyes anytime with Rory McDonald because they want someone that's going to promote them or promote themselves and, and, aid in what they're already doing where we're trying to like you know they went on that whole the next gsp kick the next this the next that and blah blah blah. so they i almost felt like they were trying to do their part and rory wanted nothing to do with it and they're like look we want to promote you we want to be partners with you but you got to put up your end of the bargain uh you got to show up to interviews uh you got to do more interviews than what you're already doing you're not doing enough so it got to the point where the, I think the UFC was kind of like, you know what, we're sick and tired of this guy's act. Go to Beltor. Well, a guy who well, well, knows fun. a little bit about competing at middleweight and welterweight, Frank Trigg, you talked to him about the, the Rory McDonald fight as well. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I asked Frank a bunch of questions, but because he is a former welterweight, he's a UFC Hall of Famer, I said, hey, man, did you get a chance to watch the Rory McDonald fight and flat out, what did you think? Here's Frank Trigg. Um, speaking of Canadians, speaking of people that uh, you know won't be competing in the UFC anytime soon, Rory McDonald is now with Bellator. He returns to the action. He returns to action. Uh, emerges victorious versus Paul Daly. Second round submission. Uh, did you have a chance to watch the fight? And what did you think of uh, the fight and Rory's performance? Well, Rory's ranked fourth for a reason at the weight class. You know, by whatever the whatever poll you want to use this week. I mean, it, it changes, but the the Rory's like ranked fourth or whatever, and he's legit. And he's legit. He had a lot left. I was really surprised. That uh, uh, that the UFC actually actually didn't counter, you know, and it, of course you know they, they could have re-signed him, but they um, Roy had a chance to go out and catch up a market, and the UFC didn't counter. And I don't understand why they didn't counter. I mean, he's such a high level guy. I don't know why it, it uh, uh, they would let him go. But Roy's over in Bellator, and he comes out for his first fight and destroys. I mean, he, Paul had a, Paul had a puncher's chance. As long as he keeps on his feet, he's got a shot at winning. He has a shot. It can be late in the in the fight, you know. It can be it can be final round. Paul still has a puncher's chance of winning, but the reality of it is that his big the big problem with with Paul Daly is that when he gets on the ground, he gets submitted relatively easily. He's got no wrestling ability. He gets held down relatively easily. He gets frustrated very fast. It makes it easier for a guy that knows how to work with him on top, and that's exactly what Rory did. Rory made him very frustrated, and then Paul just kind of rolls over and gets his back. Like he wasn't really 
a super hypothetical position from Rory other than the fact that he that he pressured him and made him make mistakes. Rory's legit, man. And I think honestly, he's gonna get the what is it, the winner of of Lima and um Larkin. Yeah. Which raises some interesting things. Larkin's a very interesting matchup for Rory. I don't think Lima's a very interesting matchup for, for Rory. But he already told him, man, I'm a, you know, I'm gonna take your belt, I'm gonna take your soul. Like he's gonna try and hurt you. Rory's on a different level again. I think too, he kind of knew that GSP was coming back. And no one's really sure where the weight class was going. So it kind of made sense it was time for him to, to have to renegotiate his contract to go move on to Bellator. Because you know GSP's going to UFC. UFC's gonna do whatever, whatever they have to to keep him. They're gonna let him go fight someplace else if he decides to come back. But Roy being around GSP kind of knew this was gonna happen. It was the best deal for their friendship, for their training, for the way that they train together. And now, especially for for Roy being in Bellator, he has a lot of the pressure taken off him where he's not he's not GSP's training partner. He's not the next GSP coming through. He can kind of be his own guy and be his own man for a while. And he's got a lot of years left, this guy Roy. He, it's not like he's gonna, you know, win four or five, six fights, uh, have his contract come up in Bellator, but yeah, I'm done. I'm going to retire. This guy's got a lot of years left. So he can easily come back to the UFC at the end of this run and go on a good run and come back as the champ. Come back with the belt on his hand. Go, look, man, I'm going to go where UFC's going to double my money now. And we all see the money that the UFC has. We all see what the, what the money is being paid out to these guys, you know, these guys at the top end. So we know that that can happen if they, decide, if they decide to bring Rory back after his contract stuff. They can definitely do it. Rory's in a great spot and looks amazing. And honestly, I, I really see his toughest opponent being being Larkin. Um, if Larkin comes in on top, on top, I thought it was going to be Paul Day, but the way that fight came out, I don't think so as much. Larkin's really going to be his tough, toughest opponent if Larkin gets through gets through Lima, which is not a signed deal, which is not something that could you know absolutely going to happen. That fight's going to be a war as well. But I think Roy kind of runs through the, the entire weight class and clean it out a couple times if he chooses to. Do you think Sunday's UFC event in Sweden with Alexander Gustafsson and Glover Teixeira uh, in the main event, do you think that fight is going to be a war? And the reason why I ask is these two guys now have an opportunity, especially Alexander. Um, I guess you could say Glover as well. I had a chance to run into Anthony Johnson very, very briefly uh, over in Florida when I was doing Titan FC. uh, And he came by to say hi to Kamara Usman and I as we were doing the broadcast. I couldn't stop in the middle of the broadcast and, and, and talk to Anthony Johnson. I wanted to catch up with him after the event, but he obviously had to leave. So I did see him, but he's no longer in the UFC's light heavyweight division, uh, which opens up the door for every single contender to take that one step up. And come Sunday, Alexander Gustafsson in Sweden, who I think has all the pressure in this fight, is taking on Glover Teixeira, who's obviously uh, a little older. Um, what do you foresee in that fight? First, great job on the Titan broadcast. I watched it on the, on the fight pass. It was it was awesome. You and Kamu were, were doing a great job. I, I really Thank you, sir. Um, uh, uh, it was really neat to, to I've been listening a while. Usually I watch with all the volume down. So, so I can watch the fights and act like a ref. So I don't, I don't get opinionated by the commentators. But I was like, I'm just going to sit and drink a beer and listen to Joe and what they do. And was, you guys did a great job. Great job. Um, I, I do think that Alexander has all the pressure on him. I do think that he's got a lot of heat on him on this one. Um, he, he's got to be the next guy. Now that Anthony's out, he's like trying to prove that he's the next guy. Um, Gojic share is older, but still viable. Still has a lot, a lot of heat left in those guns of his. He still has a lot of fist bar. This one, I don't think there's gonna be much, much of a war though. Um, just because I think, I think, uh, uh Gustafson is, is got so much more to prove. He won't get into a war. Does it make sense? I don't see him wanting to get into a war when he's got to make sure he wins. I think it's gonna be a lot safer. He's gonna play a little bit more conservative because all the pressure, you can do just enough to win every round unless he finds, and this is always my, my unless thing clause. 
unless he finds that he can hurt hurt Glover early, then he'll keep the pressure up, feel, looking for the end. But if he feels like, wow, I might be in damage, I might get, get in trouble here, I might be getting hurt here, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that, that I stick with this as easily and best as possible. So it'll be like a slower fight. But it's going to be a war just because Glover took sure doesn't know how to do anything else but be in a war. The man loves to come. He loves to fight. He really loves to fight. He enjoys – I don't know if he enjoys being hit, but he enjoys the option of trying not to get hit. He enjoys the ability of having to, having to defend and, and not get tagged and, and, and defend takedowns and, and, and use top game. Like, he really he really does love it. Like, it, it, it's really part of his, his DNA. So he doesn't know anything else but to be in a war. So if if uh, if uh, um, Gustafson allows him to be in a war, then it's going to be a war. But I don't think Gustafson will. I think he'll be smart and try to win it, try to win every round to win the fight. Now, Joe, before you and I get into UFC Sweden, there were a couple of things that I definitely wanted your opinions on uh, because you and Trig talked about uh, UFC Sweden at the end of, of, of that clip. Vitor Belfort says he's going to fight <laughs> <laughs> after UFC 212. So, uh, one, this is stupid. He has no leverage <laughs> now. He has no leverage when negotiating, because he's, he's going to Bellator. I think he just, he said, sup, I'm going to Bellator. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. To just come out and say that, like, didn't he say he was going to retire? He said he wanted one more fight. Uh, and we know Elias Theodoro put his hand up there. Uh, Nate Marquardt got the fight. He said, I just want to fight one more time. He said he wanted the League of Legends or Legends League and stuff like that. And, you know, it's 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 just not another one of those guys. How do you say this? Like, they say one thing and you believe it, but knowing them long enough, you realize that's nah, not going to happen. That's not the truth. There's so much more uh, that could potentially happen here. Uh, it's another – again, I really hope he saved his money because he's made a boatload of money, if I'm not mistaken, and you don't need to fight anymore. I know there's competition, but there's other things that you can do to compete. Now what? Did he get re- reinvigorated because he went to TriStar and he starts training with uh, you know Faraz and everybody – in general, that he thinks that you know what? Oh, I, th- I think we know how he's going to get reinvigorated when that USADA testing is gone. So it, it begs the question, Sean. Let's just throw a what if up there. What if he does? You know, his contract is done with the UFC. They have no interest in matching whatever Bellator may have to offer. Let's just go with the, with this hypothetical. Just let's drive down the path here, okay? What happens if he does sign with Bellator? They make an announcement he's fighting Vanderlei Silva or Chael Sonnen or whomever. And then we see him show up at the weigh-ins just ripped, jacked, and huge. How bad would that look for Bellator? It would look really bad, and we would all know the score. We would all know the score. Uh, another thing, I, I don't think I don't know if it looked bad for Bellator or not, but Paul Daly MVP. They got to fight. They got to fight at this point. Yeah. What was the deal? So so Daly came out. Did Page say something? Daly responded, and just the altercation happened. Well, I mean, Daly called him a pussy about seventy four times in the cage, and I'm sure MVP took exception, and they had a little bit of a a brawl. To me. Smart would be a smart matchup because Paul Daly is a striker. Although MVP says that if they fight, Paul Daly's going to turn into a wrestler. We've heard that line a lot. But then again, not a lot of people have striking in the manner that MVP does. Like his striking is not only just good, but it's it's tough to handle because you don't see it a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's one I'm interested in. But UFC Sweden, also known as 
UFC. I'm familiar with these guys' names, but I can't remember any of their fights. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Can, can I ask you one question regarding Bellator before we move on to, uh, to the Sweden card? Yeah. Give me one reason why Bellator should not put that fight on. MVP and Daly? Uh, I don't have a reason. They should do it. But uh, they, they, yeah, maybe, maybe because MVP's been pulling out of fights a little bit often for my liking lately. But I don't think he'd pull out of that fight unless it's a serious injury. You got to fight. You got to fight daily because that's, that's a, a main game. event. That's a main yep. event too. It's huge. Yeah, I like it. I'm gonna say it's, sorry. It's not huge. It's definitely great for Bellator. It, I, I like think it. it would do the twelve thousand they did in uh, in London. I think it would do twelve thousand. Uh, in London again, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. All right, sorry, go ahead, Sweden. UFC Sweden. So, in doing my research for this, Joe, <laughs> did you know that Volkan Ozdemir is the number five ranked light heavyweight in the UFC? He's had one fight oh. in the UFC. Yeah. He is yeah. ranked above his opponent, Misha Serkinov, who is 4-0 and in the UFC. So... <laughs> Again, we can go back to these rankings, Sean, and they're extremely subjective. But when the overall consensus of the people that are voting in are that subjective to the point where Volkan Uzdemir is the number five light heavyweight in the UFC, is that not just a case of what versus what? No, like it's just, it, it makes no sense to me because uh, I love Volkan. Great guy. I met him at Titan. He was supposed to fight for us. Uh, he was in the booth with us one time uh, with Kamaru and I, but no, I respectfully disagree. I mean, the rankings gimmick continues. It does. Uh, either way, I think that fight will be good. That's that's a hell of a fight to add to that. And once you get beyond that in the main event, it's like, well, okay. I, I, would, I would wager that 60% of the rest of the card are coming off of losses. Ben Saunders versus Peter Sabata. I'm sure it'll be a good one. That'll uh, be a good fight. Rezak Al-Hassan, I think that he's somebody to kind of watch for, but he's facing a guy at Omari Akhmedov who may be fighting for his job. Now, here's the thing when people are fighting for their jobs. Usually, they play it really, really, really safe. That's that's what I've noticed. In some rare occasions, of course, there's there's always an exception to the rule. Jake Ellenberger, for example. But... You have Nordin Talib, Talib uh, who is probably also fighting for his job. It, you've got that those two fights back-to-back, and their welterweight fights would generally go the distance anyway. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not pumped for this show. I'm not, like, looking forward to this show. I'm looking forward to about uh, three or whenever the hell the, the, the last two fights come on, those two light heavyweight fights, because this is uh, this will be... A morning and afternoon show, which I'm also down for. Thumbs up. I'm, I'm all for uh, morning and early afternoon MMA. But even straight down to the prelims, you got Marcin Held fighting for his job. And that seems to be a trend here. Yeah, I mean, Chris Camozzi is on the prelim card as well. Um, I, I, there, there's some fights that I really enjoy here. I'm looking at this. Sorry, sorry, everyone, if I'm looking to the bottom right. That's, that's where the, my, I've got my fights here. Um, I, I like some of these fights. I think they're going to be very enjoyable. Main event, co-main event for sure. Uh, I, I like the Ben Saunders Sabata fight. I really do. The, the only problem is this is another case where, you know, Sean, like there's just too many fighters, too many events. You know, watered down. 
You know, the, 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 this is not the UFC to me. This is never going to be the Super Bowl of MMA. This is not a card that says that screams viewership. This is not a card that says, "Woohoo! I can't wait to, to you know Sunday afternoon to watch the UFC on television." This doesn't scream that at all. I just harken back to when it used to be good to watch. We used to be so excited to watch a UFC event. Look how crazy we went for UFC 211. Man, there was there was a lapse. There was three weeks off, and we were just – they stacked that card. You know, We were really looking forward to seeing what was going to happen there. And then it's just – I don't know. I don't know what needs to be done here, but this is a card here. I'm going to watch. I have no choice, to be honest <laughs> with you. We've got to talk about it afterwards. Uh, I, I love fighting, but these are guys that are – I don't even know if they're headliners on grassroots shows. To me, they're fighting I, on a UFC card. To me, you put a title fight or a contender fight as a main event. You got a top five fight as a co-main event, worst case scenario. Then the rest of that card should be either filled with names that are going to capture Vitor Belfort. Even if he's not ranked, you can throw him on like the third, fourth, or fifth fight, or top fifteen fights. And then the pre, you know, you got to have something nice for the the prelim main event, but not here because it's fight pass, so you don't have to worry about that. But then you fill up the rest of the card with. Oliver Incamp versus Nordin Taleb, Jack Hermanson against Alice, Alex Nicholson. Ah, man, that's rough. Ah. That's rough, man. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I get it's happening in Sweden. My God, is there a lot of pressure on Alex, Alexander Gustafsson to win this fight? Uh, if there was I, ever a you Pedro Munoz versus fight. Stasiak could be good though, because yeah. Munoz has had a couple of really good uh, fights back to back and. Stasiak's won two in a row, so I think that I, I would have put that on the show uh, on the main card over a couple of the fights that were on there. But I mean, well, it's not Fight Pass. Sorry, I guess it's airing on Fox Sports One. The Fox Sports One card or bouts are almost better than the main card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just looking at it with, with the exception of those top two fights and maybe Sabata Sanders because Sabata Sanders could be That's good. Weird. Yeah. It could be good or it could be astastic. Who knows? I thought this was going to air on Fight Pass. I had no idea this was airing on Fox Sports One. What do I know? Yeah, far and then you still. I mean, there's like three thousand fights on this card. Um, it's just yeah, crazy. six on the main card, four on Fox, two on Fight Pass, twelve fights. Uh, what time is this happening? Eastern time, like nine a.m. 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, the FS1 prelim started at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then the main card starts at 1 p.m. So I would say I would wager that we will go live mm, probably about 4.35-ish. It's going to be a long day. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I prefer I prefer afternoon MMA to getting done with work at 4 a.m. Yeah, That's no, hundred percent. I I completely, I'm I'm completely on your side. But then it goes back to the article I put on Fightful.com about these UFC events are simply too long. They're too long, but you know, other media covering other sports have to endure the same thing, despite we, their sport being three hours long and ours being six hours and forty two minutes on average. Yeah, we did not need that first hour on Fight Pass. They could have split up the FS1 prelims and started this whole thing at eleven a.m. Just chopped a little bit of it off. Five main card fights is all we need. We don't need six. You do an hour on well, fight you know pass, what this an is, hour Sean? of prelims. You know what this is? This is the UFC putting together a fight card with X amount of bouts, and you know some are going to fall off, Yeah, but 
they end up all staying, and they're like, well, okay. That's, that's another thing part. I see on the amateur circuit because everybody decides they don't want to be a fighter the week of the fight. So my boy Billy Donovan, he'll you know sometimes he'll have to book upwards of twenty fights, especially yeah. with the new rules that you have to have in Kentucky. You have to have your card finalized fifteen days before the event for for an amateur event. Could you impossible. imagine? That's impossible. So. And it was funny because there was one time where he did he booked twenty three fights, and all of them stayed. Oh, fortunately, poor guy. Yeah. fortunately for him, amateur MMA it's a it's a one minute knockout or it's a three round decision. Yeah, there were like there were like oh, fifteen finishes on that show, so he was just running them out one after the other, one after the other. Like the pacing was great. Yeah, it's. Lucky, good for him. But I mean, I, I gave props to Lex McMahon, the Titan FC COO, uh, during the broadcast on Fight Pass on Friday because what that guy has to go through to keep that card alive by the time it gets to broadcast, there's so many changes. I mean, there was a YouTube video that Titan put out, uh, a feature Way of the Warrior with uh, Demarcus Jackson. Um, it was Demarcus Jackson. Yeah, it was Demarcus Jackson. Like, I mean, while they were filming the video, he'd already gone through his third opponent change. And he's just like, you know, it's, it's the old adage, one, one that I've always had a hard time believing, but forget about what your opponent's going to do to you. You need to focus on what you are going to do to your opponent. And that's a case where it's so true because you don't know who your opponent's going to be when you're fighting below the UFC. And it, Titan FC has launched a lot of guys into the UFC, but you take a look at poor DeMarcus, who I'm sure is anyways. It's, it wasn't easy. You train, 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 train. And, you know, Henry Hooft is like, just focus on what we need to do. Here's what you're going to do. But at the same time, Sean, when you're fighting a specific opponent, you have to look for trends. You have to look for strategies. You have to look at what they're, they fall back on when they get in trouble. And, you know, it just goes to show you that it, it, it's hard putting on these cards. And I think this is a case where the UFC said, yeah, we'll book all these fights, but you're going to fall out and we'll, we'll have a perfectly fine situation. Oops. They all stayed on. <laughs> For the for the fights themselves, the two big ones. Really the only ones worth breaking down. Although, like I said, Munoz, Stasiak will be good. And we'll break them all down after they happen. We got Ozemir and Serkinov. Normally I'd be like, man, this is a great opportunity for Ozemir. But apparently it's a great opportunity for Misha Serkinov to be fighting the number five ranked light heavyweight in the world. They are about equal in experience, although Misha Serkinov has more high-level experience. I I can't pretend like I know as much about Ozemir as I do about other light heavyweights, but this this fight could launch somebody. Could launch somebody. What has to, right? Yeah. It has to because it, yeah. this division right now is thin. It's thin right across the top fifteen. Uh, it is thin. Other than, especially with AJ leaving now, it just got thinner. So Anti Gulov it, is is a top fifteen guy now, right? So th- this is a huge fight for both guys. Vulcan, obviously, th- first one, first things first. Sean, I think this is going fifteen minutes. This is going the decision. I don't think either guy is going to finish the other one. Uh, I will be pleasantly surprised if there's a finish in this fight, despite the fact both guys are solid fighters. I think they're going to neutralize each other. Uh, I don't have a bias in this one as much as I love Misha. Uh, you know, he's a Canadian or lives in Canada, lives in Toronto. Love the guy. I like Vulcan just as much because Vulcan's just a class guy, and they both bring it. They both bring it to the cage, and they both put on. 
on a good fight. They both look for finishes. They're both going to get tested big time in this fight. And it's just a matter of if there's going to be a finish, it's the guy that's going to have a bigger heart, obviously, and who can break the other guy down. I just don't think either guy can be broken down. I think it goes 15 minutes, and it can go either way. Uh, for Vulcan, if he emerges victorious, he's now 2-0 and in the UFC, still doesn't deserve to be number five, but with the with the way this division is, that wouldn't surprise me. He'll you know there'll be some eyebrows for people that are actually going to watch this. There'll be some eyebrows raised. Where, hey, this guy's this guy's legit. He's taking out OSP and he's taking out Misha Serkinov. Now, if Misha Serkinov emerges victorious, he continues his run at two hundred five pounds. He already called out Shogun once. You know, he's, he had the big, huge contract squabble that people were paying more attention to that contract squabble than they were for his fights. And now he's back in there. He takes out the number five guy. People are going to be paying attention to, to Misha. Again, it's a division that isn't very strong right now. The depth isn't there, and he's going to move up. Arguably, he should be number five after this fight if he emerges victorious. Yeah, and if I'm the UFC, because you got you got two of the maybe five recognizable – okay, there are six recognizable really maybe light heavyweights. you got uh, Rogerio Nogueira, but – he ain't ever fighting. That dude never fights. He's pulled out of six fights and actually fought like nine since he's been in the UFC. At some point, you're going to have to stop matching up Glover Teixeira and Gustafson, and you'll have to have like Glover Teixeira against... Oh God, who... Serkinov and Ozdemir against Gustafson and hope that they can make some names off of these or something because you got this unfortunate... It's It's a lot like... The prime of the light heavyweight division, only it's not the prime of the light heavyweight division. Where there was that that carousel of guys who kept fighting yep. each other and fighting each other. That's what we're seeing now with Cormier, Jones, Gustafson, Teixeira, Manoa, and maybe even Shogun thrown in the mix here soon. But it's just not as high level because it doesn't seem like anybody's really emerging. Or at least there's not that one name that is just like emerging hellaciously. I think Serkinov could be that guy, though. But you got right now we got Tyson Pedro, Patrick Cummins, Jean Volante, Blakowitz, and Antigulov in the top fifteen. That's that's iffy. Now we got this main event: Teixeira, Gustafson. Uh, if Tish, if Gustafson can, uh, my, my thing with Gustafson is he's thirty, but he he has such such trouble staying in the cage. And it's been this way for a long time. Like he's he's never fought more than than twice a year since like I think 2011. And the last few years, it's been more like once every 10, 11, 12 months. But I want to know how you see this this Teixeira Gustafson fight going. Uh, I'm I'm leaning towards Alexander Gustafson. Uh, just in terms of reach and the fact that so many people are sleeping on him, They're, they've underrated him because of his losses. And you take a look at who he's lost to, he's lost only to the very, very best in this division. Does the two wins in four and a half years concern you? Nope. Zero. You look at those performances other than uh, the Rumble performance, and he shows you that this guy is an elite mixed martial artist. He is arguably one of the best, or he is, he is one of the best in this division, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not concerned about the fact that he hasn't won or he hasn't won much in the past few years. The fact of the matter is, look at the competition. He gave John Jones the toughest fight he's ever had. He went the distance with Daniel Cormier. He got his bell rung versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. And realistically speaking, unless your name is Daniel Cormier, 
who else hasn't done that? I mean, when Daniel, unless AJ, who, by the way, lots of love to AJ. I saw him. Uh, he came to say hi to us um, at Titan FC, looking all slick with his nice, uh, what's the hat? What are those hats? Those little hats, what they're called. Uh, whatever. Anyways, uh, <laughs> lo- love my rumble. He's, a, he's just a great dude. Um, but yeah, I think Alexander, uh, not the man in this division, but so underrated, underappreciated. Um, Chicano hat. That's what I was looking for. Um, oh, gosh. Yes, he looked gangster with the white, the, the the blue thing, the ribbon or the black ribbon. But I think um, Glover's going to give him a fight. Uh, I just don't think he's going to win. Um, I don't know if this one's going to go the distance. To be honest with you, I just, but I don't know if Alexander can finish. I didn't Glover. think the Blockowitz one would either, though, and I didn't think Teixeira versus Cannoneer would either. But every fight's a different story. It really is. Styles make Teixeira's won four of his last five, but. You know, I thought that Anthony Johnson knockout was going to be a life changer. One of those that you just don't recover from. The the thing about me with Gustafson, I know he's got all the talent in the world, but my question is, after the kind of fight he had with John Jones, one of the greatest light heavyweight fights of all time, getting obliterated by Anthony Johnson, going the distance with Daniel Cormier in another one of the greatest fights in light heavyweight history, he went the three rounds uh, in September, and he took some time off. I, I wonder how, like, how many miles his MMA body has on him. You know, the cage miles, because he's been fighting since '07. That's what I wonder. Now, now, uh, Teixeira's got plenty of cage miles on him as well, but I feel like, I mean, for for years he was just knocking people out in the first round. I think. Teixeira's got more mileage on his body than than Alexander does. Well, yeah, he's got thirty one fights, and then yeah, yeah that's and then what I'm uh, saying right, it's just yeah. But I wonder how Gustafson will be moving forward long term because when he fought Jones, I was thinking, wow, this is a guy that we're going to see for the next oh I don't know ten years maybe at at a fairly high level. Now I when I when I've watched him recently I'm like he's still at a high level but I wonder how many more years he'll be at a high level even though he's only 30. Don't be surprised if Alexander wins this fight and quietly gets a title shot afterwards because John Jones and DC are going to fight. John Jones hypothetically defeats DC, he needs a challenger. The one guy you do want to see him fight isn't necessarily Jimmy Manoa because that's who DC would likely fight next. You want to see that rematch with Alexander Gustafson after what happened in Toronto. Yep. Well, we will be here right after the show uh, on Sunday. I'm so happy it's not a Saturday show. I'm so <laughs> happy it's an afternoon show. Uh, we're going to bring you all the coverage. Of course, visit Fightful.com, all your MMA, uh, boxing, and wrestling News, coverage, results, photos, videos, podcasts, interviews. We have some live boxing coverage this Saturday. We have had podcasts the last four days from NXT TakeOver to WWE Backlash to Raw. Tonight, SmackDown, tomorrow, The List, and ya boy! we got exclusive interviews coming to Fightful.com. We've got Most Ridiculous with Anna Bauer. If you just check out the podcast and not the actual site, go there because we like to bring you stuff that you can't get anywhere else, that you can't find anywhere else. That's what we strive to do at Fightful. Also, uh, the forums. The forums are up and rocking. I love how active you guys have been in those. Submit questions, ideas for podcasts. Really, talk about anything. Like MMA, boxing, wrestling, movies, entertainment, uh, music, TV, action figures, video games. We have forums for about everything. 
if we don't have a forum for something and there's enough demand, we'll add it. We want you all to come there. We want it to be your hangout. Always fun. And don't forget, uh, I'll be submitting videos, uh, yeah. one to two-minute video every week uh, at Fightful. Uh, just me sounding off on whatever is coming up or what has just happened or what potentially can, can My hair. take place. Uh, yes, Sean's mop or whatever you want to call that thing. Is that a mop? Look at that. Yeah, that Look at that. That's embarrassing for a human being. Uh, embarrassing yeah. for you that you can't grow it. <laughs> it's not embarrassing. I can't grow it. It is what it is, right? Look at it. But yes, uh, I'll have a video up later on this week. I'll have an article posted tomorrow uh, to discuss a variety of things. I'm always taking feedback, guys. I'm always taking suggestions. Uh, and girls, by all means, at Showdown Joe on social media, uh, hit me up. Uh, if there's something you want to talk about, uh, I will give my thoughts on a variety of things we probably spoke about today uh, in the video later this week. But we all know what happens in the world of mixed martial arts between now and the 48 hours of when I'm going to post that video. Things can change. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, Sean, I'll leave it up to you to close off the show. Guys, as always, thank you so much. We really appreciate the support. Uh, we're still a relatively new site, so come and hang out in those live coverage and discussions. I think I'm going to start uh, creating forum threads for events and if that picks up traction, we'll keep doing that. Just, yeah, support the site. Go visit those forums. Subscribe to us. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up on YouTube. And, of course, uh, also leave us nice reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. That stuff helps, too. But uh, thank you, guys. Until next time, we're out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.